0: So I told the story in the devotional, but I think it bears repeating and expanding. So Disney used to tell rescue stories. Disney used to tell rescue stories. If you look at princesses between 1938 and 1960, they were always princesses needing rescue. They were always in trouble. The reason this seemed to appeal to the culture is twofold. There's two reasons this was important. One... We love fairy tales, okay? Old fairy tales had this motif over and over again from every culture on every part of the planet. Rescue was always involved. Disney didn't invent it. Disney, Walt in particular, was just the best at propagating it and capitalizing on it. That's all that Disney did, okay? So it was a familiar story, and we like familiar stories. When a movie doesn't follow a familiar plot line, we, we find it uncomfortable The second reason Is that And this is your first fill in the blank At the core Of the human experience We all want someone To save us At the core of the human experience We all want someone To save us Save us from debt You'll experience this when you have money Save us from loneliness, from boredom, from abuse, from feeling worthlessness. In the hearts of man lies the desire for something whole. In the hearts of man lies the desire for something whole. And if you remember last week's talk, it is impacted by what identity people place on us from the world. Remember that loop? Or what identity we pull out of the world. Namely, what we try to drown out the loop. To put it simply, in its simplest form, it's this rescue is in us. Rescue is in us. In the stories of fairy tale land, there is a princess needing rescued. The reason she needs rescued varies, of course. Parents' poor decision in choosing a step parent. She's born with certain deformities or non conformities. She's impoverished. Someone else has spoken words over her that determines her identity from without. But she needs rescuing. She needs a rescuer. Now, boys, don't think you're out of this just because it's a princess and not a prince. Okay? It's only a princess because that's the fairy tale. Mana fairy tales, too, where they need rescuing. Luke Skywalker would have died on that trench run without Han Solo. Right? Frodo would have died scaling that mountain and going through Shield's lair if it wasn't for Sam. Men have their need of rescue too, and it's all throughout our literature. But either way, our fairy tales are what reflects our culture, and what reflects our culture's call for a rescuer. But the story story typically ends at the rescue. It gets to the end; they rescue the princess and they live happily ever after. I said it in the devotional. I'll say it here. It's boring. Okay, I said it. It's boring. It's boring, come at me. Okay? It's just boring. I love those stories. It's just boring. Because to me it doesn't reflect in real life. Okay? Take Cinderella. Okay? The human condition. Just I know the human condition, right? You're telling me a couple with major history of identity problems doesn't have problems they need to overcome in marriage. Right? She is from a family that abused her. After a father that made an awful spouse choice dies. And she's going to be fine with a prince who does, couldn't find a date. So his daddy had to organize a ball. He doesn't like any of the girls that show up until some blonde walks into the back. He spends the evening talking with her, right? falling in love, but he has such bad social skills he forgets to introduce himself, right? And we know this because after you introduce yourself, they tell you your name. But he doesn't know her name when she runs away when the stroke of bell strikes midnight. That's why he doesn't go look for Cinderella. He goes to look for the girl with the small shoe size, right? So he sends out a shoe salesman into the kingdom hoping that no one else has her size shoe in the whole entire kingdom to make sure that he goes, do you see the problem here? This guy's messed up. She's messed up. You're telling me that I ever after after they drive off into the pumpkin carriage? No way. No way. There's no way. I'm hoping he knows her name by the wedding day, right? Like, that's my hope for that story. We end the fairy tale midway through the real story. Or at the very beginning of the exciting part. My brother David, he's very funny. All Swanson's are. Most of you know this by now. So he was at a screening of the Passion of the Christ when it came out. That's the story of the crucifixion of Jesus. Some of you have heard me tell this story. Spoiler alert for the Passion of the Christ: Jesus dies at the end. Okay, um, he rescues his bride through the death on the cross. Roll credits. So everyone in the sold-out theater is just crying, right? And David being funny, and David turns around, stands up, and boldly say, "It's okay." It has a happy ending. I've read the rest of the book. Right? Because that's not the end of the story. Yes, the rescue took place. But there's so much more that happens after the crucifixion. And the whole audience did chuckle when they heard that. Because they knew it. There is more adventure to be had after the rescue. However, it's your next one in the blank. The rescue will define them for the rest of their lives. The rescue will define them for the rest of their lives. When you sign up for a driver's license, you get to choose to be an organ donor. I'm not going to argue for for or against here. If you mark yes, then if you pass away, your organs can go to someone needs who needs them to live. Okay? It's a pretty simple process. Part of you can be used to rescue another, right? Tragedy can turn to joy, and sometimes the pain of loss can be uplifted by knowing that someone else now lives. A new phenomenon has been happening in that kind of sphere. Um, of life that many of us don't get to take part of. While donations are made anonymously, people have desired to reach out to family members of the deceased to thank them for their loved one, making them whole. One such story was a girl named Susan who received a heart from Denise's grown child after a drug overdose. Denise agreed to meet, and when Denise hugged Susan, she could feel the heartbeat. She said, when I hugged her, I could feel his heart. I could feel it pounding, and it was hard to let go. And this couple still talks monthly, right? Because the rescue defined her. She was dying with little hope of life, and she was given new life by someone else's death. She was rescued. And if you're a Christian, that story sounds very familiar. We will be jumping around the text this evening as we talk about rescue. We'll start in Genesis 3. Verse 15, if you want to jump there, you should know this verse. Um, Here, Adam and Eve just sinned, and the punishment is being delivered. Now, punishment is all that they deserve here, right? But God makes a promise of grace where none is required. He offers grace to Adam and Eve while he condemns the serpent. Here, God speaks to the serpent, the enemy of God, and of his people in verse 15. This is what he says to the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. He tells the serpent that the woman's offspring will be his death, and then the woman's offspring will bring life. That's what he says here. God sets the rescue plan for mankind almost instantaneously after they had fallen into sin. It wasn't an afterthought. It literally happened right after. He doesn't leave Adam and Eve to wonder if there's any hope. He gives them hope, and he gives them rescue. God makes a promise to Abraham that he will give him a land and a people. This is fulfilled when the Israelites move to Egypt under Jacob, and they prosper. They become a nation. And they are and then they are enslaved by the Egyptian landlords. And if you remember Moses from last week, he sends Moses on a rescue mission. What is known as the preamble of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 exemplifies how the people of God are to see themselves as rescued people. This is the preamble to the Ten Commandments. It appears all over Scripture. So if you're reading any of the Old Testament, you'll see this in Deuteronomy. Numbers, Joshua, Samuel, Exodus. I mean, clearly Exodus. I mean, reading Exodus. But, like, it's all over this phrase, and that is this. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the household of slavery, He defines His people by the rescue moment. Just as He will define you, His people, by the rescue moment. And then after this, think about it. He gives them the Ten Commandments. Which I think most Christians, if you were to ask most Christians in America, what are the Ten Commandments, and how do you feel about the Ten Commandments... They're probably going to tell you it's the law. You know, it kind of binds you to a specific lifestyle choice, right? And I think people falsely assume that the Ten Commandments are another shackle. But think about it this way. He just said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the household of slavery. It would be very weird for God to be like, I just brought you out of slavery. Now here's more slavery. Right? Because that's not the Ten Commandments. It isn't just don't do these things because I rescued you. This is your next fill in the blank. And if you understand this about God and the Ten Commandments, it will radically view the way that you view of obedience. And that is this. The Ten Commandments reveal the character of God. The Ten Commandments reveal the character of God. Throughout all of history, from the beginning in Genesis 3, God reveals Himself to his people. And then he reveals himself more to Abraham. So now Abraham can tell his kids, this is the God that we worship. And then Joseph, and then Isaac, and then Jacob, and then Joseph, and then Moses. And they all get to say, this is who we are, and this is the God we serve. And finally we get to this mountaintop experience, literally, mountaintop experience, where he says, this is who I am. When I was talking to you, Moses, on the burning bush on the mountain here and I said I am who I am this is literally who I am the Ten Commandments this is what it is, think about it this way you will not find peace in any other gods it's who I am I want to give you rest I'm the God of rest a whole day of it, every week I want you to have a good relationship with your family honor your father and mother I want you to bring life to the world. That's the promise to Abraham, right? Not take it. Do not murder. I want you to be loyal to your mate and not succumb to the flesh. Do not commit adultery. I want you to be loyal. I want you to be a truth teller because that's who I am. I want you to be a giver of things, not a thief of things. Do not steal. I want you to not be bitter over what you don't have but be grateful for what you do. Do not covet. The Ten Commandments are not a shackle to the law. They essentially reveal the character of God. I want you to be like me. That's what God said to his people here. I want you to be like the God of rest, the God of family, the God of life, the loyal God, the God of truth, the giver of gifts, and the grateful God. I want you to be those things. That's who I am. I should have that too. I've rescued you to that. And this is your next fill in the blank. I've rescued you from slavery and to a good life. If you do these things in the world... People are going to like you. Let's just be real, right? Oh, you don't murder people. Yeah, I'll be your friend, right? Oh, you don't steal from people on a regular basis? Yeah. Hey, here are my things. You can hang out and play with my toys, right? Because I know you're not going to steal. Oh, you don't lie? Like, like a, you're not a serial liar? Let me tell you some deep, dark secrets about myself because I know you're not just going to blab and it's the world if you tell other people. If, if, if I open up myself here. <coughs> These are good things. He has given you a good life. But we are the princess, if you remember from the devotional, that complains about the castle, and the food, and the prince, right? We seek our own kingdom, and in the process, we find burden after burden. The people of Israel did this. But because the God of the Ten Commandments is a rescuer, he didn't give up on his bride, but pursued her throughout the Old Testament, And the rescue mission took place with his son, Jesus. Turn with me to John 12. John 12. It's a longer chapter. We're going to be in verse 44. John 12. 12, 44. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. And the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me speaks sent me, has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. He's talking about here that he's been sent into the world on a rescue mission by the Father for your sake and mine. It's the last fill in the blank. The prince was sent by the king to rescue his bride. The prince was sent by the king to rescue his, his bride. It is the ultimate love story. This is the eternal love story. Before the foundation of the world, God chose to rescue you out of the dominion of darkness and transfer you into the kingdom of his beloved son. You're no longer slaves to sin, as Romans 6 says, but we're children of obedience now, 1 Peter 1.14 obedience to what right to the law given to moses to remind us that god too has delivered us out of the bondage of the slavery of sin so when you read that preamble to the ten commandments right out of the bondage of egypt our egypt is is just our sin right freed us out of the bondage of the slavery to sin as the israelites were slave in egypt so we are slaves to the kingdom of the serpent but god has freed us from that and has freed us to life with him Understanding that you are rescued is the first part to finding you. And, we're going to talk about this in the weeks to come, the first part to rescuing others.